Welcome to the On-Premise IT Podcast, the only show that dares to be both on-topic or on-premise, and sometimes even on-location or on-premises. Each time we meet, we bring together a group of IT experts to discuss a single idea. On today's episode, presented by Pure Storage, our premise revolves around cloud storage and disaster recovery, specifically that hybrid storage environments really require cloud-based DR. But before we get into that topic, let's meet who's on the panel today. Hi, my name is Cody Hosterman. Um, I'm a Senior Director of Product Management at Pure Storage. I'm responsible for two parts of our business, uh, our VMware ecosystem, uh, as well as our cloud ecosystem uh, within what we call the Flash Array Business Unit. And I've been at Pure for hair over nine years. Hi, I'm Ned Bellavance. Uh, Ned Bellavance on LinkedIn if you're trying to find me or nedinthecloud.com. I'm a technical educator and content creator who kind of likes all things cloud related. Hello, I am Calvin Hendricks Parker. I am CTO and co-founder of Six Feet Up. We are a software and development agency specializing in cloud and Python and AI and ML. Um, you can find me at uh, sixfeetup.com slash blog. And I am Stephen Foskett, the publisher of Gestalt IT and organizer of the Tech Field Day events. And you can find me at S. Foskett on most social media networks, as well as hosting the, uh, a couple of podcasts and a weekly news show here at Gestalt IT. So in the years that we've been watching the growth of the cloud, it does seem that uh, DR to the cloud has become really a slam dunk use case for uh, enterprise workloads especially. And this reminded me a lot of the case of VMware, where uh, really the, the, the slam dunk use case, the reason that people loved VMware, the reason that I loved VMware and got into it was because it finally made DR practical and even possible in some cases. You know, you could finally take a workload from on-site in, in a data center and have it run in another data center. It occurs to me that a lot of this is happening in cloud too. And that's why, you know, I'm definitely on team enterprises, hybrid enterprises, hybrid environments really ought to be using cloud DR or you're really missing the point. Um, I, I guess, is that what you're seeing, Cody, as well with uh, Pure's customers? Yeah, no, I, I think it's a, a perfect analogy in many ways is when one of the things that was attractive um, about VMware and disaster recovery for years uh, was that it was a singular infrastructure, right? And the disaster re recovery plan for every application was effectively the same, right? It's data store to data store. It wasn't this app. How, do, how does it do app replica replication? How do I bring this up? Made it really easy, right? And for years... People always look at, well, how can I save money on this deployment, right? Do I, maybe, maybe I don't have VMware in both places. I do ESX to Hyper-V or KVM or something. And that was always not really tenable, right? It was just, the added complexity didn't really solve the problem. So the drive to have different infrastructures for your DR compared to your prod or whatever, your source or primary site didn't make a lot of sense. But with cloud being introduced here, it changes that game, right? One, yes, there is a conceptually or potential for a different infrastructure there, um, but the model around consumption, how it can be used compared to having a second data center, um, really changes the game around the, the kind of the inputs of making that particular decision. And so that drive from across pretty much all of our customer base that are looking at some level of data center consolidation, um, how to take advantage of the hybrid cloud, uh, DR is one of those first topics that comes up because it just makes sense to start with that. 
I have some experience with disaster recovery, especially in the realm of deferring hardware platforms. Uh, some of the early DR work I did was working with Windows 2000 Advanced Server. And if you know anything about Windows Advanced Server 2000, it did not like it if you recovered it on dissimilar hardware, even if it was just a slight generation off. So yes, the, the boon of VMware was I could now abstract that hardware and it was consistent hardware across wherever I was running VMware. But therein, I think, lies a problem with the cloud analogy because Azure is not the same as VMware, is not the same as AWS, is not the same as Google Compute. So if I have a workload on-prem that's running on VMware and I'm trying to use Azure as my disaster recovery target, I'm now running not only into dissimilar hardware, but dissimilar virtualization platforms. And that can really throw a monkey wrench into your recovery process. And ideally, that's what it's all about when it comes to disaster recovery is successful recovery of your operations. So it doesn't matter if I'm saving money because I can have just a pilot light deployment if I can't actually recover my operations quickly. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's, it's, a, it's an important point, right, around understanding that cloud VMs are different, right, whether you're looking at AWS EC2, whether you're looking at Azure VMs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it is a bit different, right? There's a different fundamental layer behind it. Um, but I think overall, a lot of the advantages around it being completely elastic and not having to maintain it really from a business perspective is making customers take a secondary look at really, is this something solvable through, through my, my data platform from a storage perspective, from my backup vendor and what they offer? Is, it, is, is that change worth it? And of course, also VMware on the cloud really also changes that conversation fundamentally too. I don't know if VMware on the cloud is, is, is going to be the most cost-effective option for, for most folks these days. Maybe, maybe that's where uh, I think Ned was kind of shaking his head yes on that one as well. But there's like a tremendous amount of tooling available that actually abstract away the various clouds, like underlying you know, issues. Like if you're using Kubernetes, whether what flavor it may be, there's some subtle differences, but generally you're launching a container which contains your application. And the beauty of that is now your storage can be whatever you want to bring to the table, whichever, whatever cloud provider wants to provide the storage or whether you're using something like a, a hosted you know, storage can, you know, application. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's another point here is that it's not all VMware. Now, a lot of it is right on on premises, but like there are non VMware workloads or there are things that are infrastructure layer above often Kubernetes, right? Whether you're running Tanzu or OpenShift or whatever, that also changes what disaster recovery means there. And the hybrid model is not just necessarily about VMs. It could also be about bare metal. Shocking that hasn't gone away. It's less, but it's still there, right? And that's also a little bit of a different concept when it comes to moving directly to, to native native compute in the, in the public cloud. So there's a couple different places to look at here. It's not just one singular VMware infrastructure, but of course that is a significant portion and it's hard to it's hard to ignore that piece of it. But it doesn't mean that DR has to be to hybrid across every infrastructure on day one. You can start tactically looking at it and where to implement. Because what we've been seeing from our customers too, is that believe it or not, still many folks are new to hyperscaler technologies, the public clouds. They're still learning it and understanding how to use it and how to leverage it. And often when they start with building net new applications, this is where costs get overrun because they're, they're learning as they're trying to do this. They're not working with something they already know. And so every variable is different. Uh, when you can work with a consistent application style and then start to learn how can I take advantage of this and how can I build this into it? It's also sometimes a good learning path 
for, for customers to move into. I'm not saying messing with your DR is something you should necessarily use as your first way to learn, but learning how to implement that and figuring that out is a good path to kind of take something you already know and build onto it, which personally is the, is the way I learned. The how I got into cloud work is some of the VMware on the cloud and then I moved to, you know, into native cloud things. And so we see our customers follow a similar path. I, I do like the concept of using DR as a learning experience because once you've replicated your data up to whatever that cloud-based environment is, now you can spin up a temporary environment and see how those things recover and operate in the cloud and get a feel for how that particular cloud works. So as, as a learning experience and certainly as a sandbox, I can certainly see how cloud would provide some big benefits. Um, moving back to the cost equation, I do want to bring up another point. I mean, obviously, uh, Calvin was right that if you are running VMware on cloud, that is not an inexpensive option. Uh, and, you know, you do have to have a certain number of hosts uh, available just as a sort of landing zone for your stuff. But the other concern is what happens after the failure is over and you want to fail back to your on-premises environment if that is where you want your workloads to run. The clouds don't charge you to replicate data into them because they like that. What they do charge is when you need to replicate data back out. So whatever DR solution you're looking at to perform that replication, you need to be mindful of how it replicates the data back. And hopefully it does it in sort of an incremental or differential fashion as opposed to pushing the whole blob back down. I think that's actually a really good segue um, into, um, I'm not like a, I'll do a little bit of a product pitch here, but not that my room's not doing it for, you know, pure orange. Um, this is something that we've seen, right? So I, I think, you know, when we're talking about DR uh, in particular, um, but migration to a certain extent as well, uh, you know, often the conversation's like, well, how do I get the data in there? That's been solved in 8,000 different ways, right? There's tons of products about replicating data into the public cloud, and they have their ins and outs and things like that, right? Sure. Um, but really the question and what causes these migrations or DR implementations to fail is not getting the data in and it's, and also getting the data out is, is a, is a different question too, but what happens when it's there, right? When I can bring up my apps, but how do I manage them? Do I have scripts and workflows that I use on premises? They have to be fundamentally different often, especially if they involve storage technologies or whatever. And so getting it there is one part, but having it be successful once it's there, even if it's only for a week or six hours or a month, what happens in that meantime, right? And so this is something from a pure perspective, we've been putting a lot of effort into helping, right? Having a consistent storage platform on premises and in the public cloud, right? Flash array on premises. And what like sometimes we like to call is flash array cloud, if you will, same software, same features, same APIs, but it's cloud block store. We call it cloud block store runs in AWS and Azure, same everything other than, you know, there's no like fiber channel or some differences, right? When it comes to the public cloud, but functionally it's managed and consumed the same way. So if you have DBAs that have snapshot restore processes that they run daily, hourly, whatever, same script, same tooling, different compute style, but like from a, an application perspective, it looks the same. And of course, they replicate between the two of them, right? You know, we have our replication and everything on our technology, we call purity, our operating environment is based on the concept of data reduction. Data reduction was built into the product to make Flash cheaper, right? But also it has a large impact in things like egress, 
because it's not just reducing one volume, one workload, it's globally reducing, it's globally, globally differentiating. If, it's been, if that block's been sent by another app, a completely different volume, we do not resend that block, right? And so it does make that send back efficient, right, as well. And also, of course, the sending in, because we don't have to send a lot of data, we don't have to reseed everything, even if the source site is a smoking hole and you're rebuilding it and sending everything back, we can have a fair amount of efficiency around sending that back. So it's about not only getting it there, making it successful while it's there, and then making it efficient, if this is a DR, not a migration, to get some or all those applications moved back to on-premises or wherever that source site might be. And that's one reason that I really like the um, cloud DR solution specifically for enterprises that have a big on-premises uh, footprint is because uh, one of the challenges for DR is um, basically where where is the remote site? What is the remote site going to be doing? And one of the cool things about the cloud, I think one of the coolest things about the cloud is the use, uh, the basically um, uh, pay for what you're using business model that is present. Now, uh, asterisk that that's not 100% true, as you point out, with running VMs in the cloud or with, um, you know, even with Cloud Block Store. Um, but generally speaking, right, you know, you're going to kind of pay as you go. Um, and, and you, but, but more importantly, you don't need to have a cage or a room or equipment or whatever. You can basically have this stuff running out there somewhere and you move your data to it and you've got your data there. And, and that's the first step. And that's, I think, one of the reasons that, that cloud is so compelling as a DR target. Uh, again, I'm not sure that it's 100%, um, you know, as, as, e as easy as I'm making it sound, but at the very least, the, 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 the fact that you can kind of pay as you go is nice. I think you hit the nail on the head when it comes to consistent operations. And that is something that I loved about, you know, going back to the VMware days and SRM when I was doing like to like, and then the way that I recovered and then operated my application while it was in that recovery sphere was identical to the way I was operating and, and maintaining that application in its original home. And that's a really big challenge if you're going to leverage the cloud for your disaster recovery is, okay, I'm used to using okay, we've been using VMware this whole time. Let's say I'm using Hyper-V on-prem, right? And I've got all my tooling, all my Windows and Microsoft tooling for handling that. But my disaster recovery target is Google Compute. Well, now I need a totally separate set of tools to do the monitoring of my applications, the alerting for those applications, the recovery of them, the backup. Uh, so ideally, I would want a solution like you were describing, Cody, where at least my storage backend is a consistent solution regardless of which location it's running in. And I have a unified control plane that allows me to perform the same operations and do that sort of enhanced replication that you were talking about. If I was going to use cloud for DR, I would definitely want uh, sort of a cloud agnostic solution or a cloud consistent solution across all the different targets that I'm gonna be operating with. Yeah, I would agree. It can be so tempting to try and roll your own uh, across these various systems and think you're going to, you know, save some money, but that you know the human capital involved in maintaining and the and the ongoing maintenance of all those things, I think, is is something that people really need to make sure that they're considering. And the fact that I also don't have to wait for you know two months to get hardware in to my on-premises data center to even play with it. I think there's a huge benefit to tools like the, you know, having the AWS marketplace or wherever the Azure marketplace is for just downloading, clicking, trying, you know, and that having that control plane again 
that is the same from your on-premises infrastructure you already got to in that in the cloud is going to be a huge boon to like productivity and, and the cost savings and just human capital. And I think what's what's interesting about this as well, right, is that like if we look at the you know the traditional dual data center model, right, where you know did DR from one to the side, and then you started looking at doing, do I have active, active data centers, right? Sure. All right. I have applications running in both places, or maybe I use the secondary for some kind of dev test or analytics or whatever. But then when I do my DR failover, I no longer have that spare compute. So all that stuff stops, right? Uh, and so there's some considerations around how that gets managed. Um, when you're doing it to the public cloud, right? That's actually not really a consideration because there is additional compute that can be used. If you're going to do DR, you don't have all of these additional RIs sitting around waiting for your DR and your analytics. These both things can, can continue to, to occur, right? And so investment in one model, like a lot of our customers that are doing dev tests across the hybrid cloud, that automation, the scripting, the whatever, it's actually fairly similar to what their DR strategy actually looks like from a technical perspective. And so one thing can actually feed into the other and help make the other one successful because they're functionally similar and you don't have that kind of restriction around compute that you did when you're just buying a lot of CapEx hardware and putting it in a secondary data center. Right. And you, you get the, even the bigger benefit if you do get this this level of maturity on disaster recovery you can go from the dual data center model where you're paying for 2x whatever you have in your primary data center to like a three data center model where you have active active and now you're paying one and a half x for the capacity. And I actually think that's another important point here too because when we're also talking about payment in general, right, what does licensing look like? Um, and this is something that, you know, from a pure perspective, we put a lot of effort into with our Evergreen program where if you have OPEX licenses for our on-premises storage and you want to move some of it or you want to do a DR event, you don't need an additional license. It just consumes from that same overall license and it is mobile, follows where your data is actually going, uh, opening up some flexibility. VMware's done some similar models recently with the universal licensing scheme too um, around how they're allowing mobility around their licenses depending on where you're moving your VMware compute. So I think also the way companies are providing their licensing op options is also making this a lot more palatable in a lot of different ways. And I don't want to make it sound like uh, we're running dinosaurs in the cloud here either. I think that that's the other thing. It, it, I think it's very easy for somebody to say, to look at this, maybe a cloud native, uh, somebody who's bathing in cloud native on a daily basis and look at this and be like, ah, that's not really cloud, you know? Well, you know, it, it don't, Maybe take a second look at what's going on in the data center because a lot of those um, a lot of those aspects that people love about the cloud, as you just heard, in terms of licensing models and purchasing models, but also in terms of um, integration and API programmability and software, you know, uh, basically uh, grow and 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 flex and change and so on. A lot of that stuff has come to the data center too. And so it's not like, you know, where it's not like this is like just some weird old clunky data center thing that's being forklifted into the cloud. This thing has been really re-engineered to run there and also to offer integration and flexibility, not the same as a cloud native app, but the same as what modern data center applications are using. Right, Cody? Yeah, no, I, it, we've, we've seen growth across the board there, right? We, you know, I, I come from our flash array business, which is block and file, and then we have our object business with Flashblade, with, which is object and file as well. And we're seeing a lot of growth on the Flashblade in particular around these newer application types, uh, newer like AI-based AI workloads going. So these things, on-premises and the public cloud, 
they're going in both places. And so how do we take advantage of that? How do we make these work together in the best, most cost-effective way, right? And so it is not just limited to this, these, this VMware conversation or Hyper-V or even containers, right? There is a lot more going on besides these applications. It's just often large enterprises in particular, they've got a lot of this. And so this is the place where they can make immediate, like large impact, right, uh, to their overall business. So this conversation usually starts in those places, but it certainly should not be limited uh, to the traditional applications, as we call them. Yeah, that, that's my, my, my thought, too, is that, you know, this is where this conversation starts. And that's why, you know, I said that at the very beginning, like, I am on team DR in the cloud because it's the it's the the most useful immediate let's do this thing it'll work kind of thing. What do you do next? That's a different topic. And I guess um, I'll put that to y'all. Once um, once you've got cloud DR up and running, uh, then you could start think about doing some of the things we talked about just now. You know what Calvin was saying in terms of having uh, you know a flexible compute capacity that could use that with cloud native applications and so on. You can, you can start thinking about using this in all sorts of ways once the stuff is protected and, and stored out there in the cloud, right? Yeah, and that's, I think I alluded to that earlier in the sense that once you've replicated your data and your applications up to one of the public clouds, now you have the opportunity to spin that up in a sandbox environment and start experimenting with different ways that application can run. So if, especially if you have an application that has a load balancer in front of it, uh, you might not have that exact same load balancer up in the cloud. So now you need to investigate, uh, does the native load balancer offered by that public cloud meet the needs of my application? Is there a way that I can refactor my application in some way to be more efficient in the cloud? But the caveat on that I will put is, as you refactor your application to be specific to cloud operations, it's gonna become more and more difficult to migrate it back on-prem if you haven't made the same modifications and changes to what's available in your on-premises environment. So it's getting back to that operational consistency. It's great to evolve your application and make it more efficient, let it take advantage of the capabilities that the cloud offers. But always bear in mind that if you ever want to repatriate that application, you need to also keep your on-premises environment up to date and agile. And, you know, it starts with things like storage and networking and expands out to things like compute and maybe elevated concepts like Kubernetes or identity management. Yeah, I, I would agree that, that having a, a reliable, consistent, tested uh, disaster recovery environment gives you that same level of comfort that you get as a developer having a a really robust CI environment, continuous integration environment for doing testing is that I can now comfortably or consistently or with confidence uh, make changes to that environment and know that I've got either a fallback plan or I've got a way to test it and never even get to the point of like any customer ever seeing a failure. Uh, but without that testability, that repeatability, and I, I try not to you know, I, I realize we talk about the dinosaur uh, folks in the room, but I realize not everybody's a, a cloud native, um, you know, as, you know, cloud native ready in, environment or enterprise, but they can now move there. That gives them all these new capabilities, all these new ways of thinking about how their data moves, because if their data is replicating easily in, into the DR environments or into an active active environment, I mean, the sky's the limit for now moving into a, a cloud native way of working. Yeah, it's like a bridge to the cloud, really. It is. Yeah, on, on the note around bridge to the cloud, right? I think it's 
important to understand a little bit more of what cloud block store is because I get a lot of questions about it. Um, is this is this hardware that we're shipping? Is it is it co-load? Is it connected through Direct Connect? Is, no, we we took a very similar um, idea around what we did with FlashArray. We built our software to take the best advantage of Flash, and then as better denser Flash came in or different options, we moved from commodity to our Direct Flash modules. We took advantage of that and our customers just got the benefit of it, right? This is the evergreen model of we improve it. We build our software to take advantage of whatever that hardware infrastructure layer is uh, and then just gets better over time, right? Um, and with CloudBlock Store, we took the exact same model, except it wasn't like built for Flash in that sense. We built it for the public cloud infrastructure. We looked at what are, what are what's durable, what's available, what's not, what can we use? What, what, how, what, how does our software add value to that? How can we take advantage of that in unique ways? And so we're consistently updating the back end of our product as Azure, AWS introduce new features, change behaviors, introduce cost efficiencies. So customers don't have to track and figure this stuff out. Uh, they don't have to be the block storage experts in the public cloud. Our engineers do that. And often we're not even using block in our back end. We use S3, for instance, for some of our persistence layer in AWS. In Azure, we recently, we initially launched with Ultra SSD. We just recently moved to premium SSD v2 because we found a way to take advantage of a lot of the intelligence we put into the purity layer around managing with different types of flash and speeds. And we could actually drop to a different tier of backend storage with no sacrifice around the product and just make it cheaper, but no performance. We actually got performance improvements in this release moving to it. And so it's a significant investment in that evergreen model around what CVS is. So it's functionally similar concept. It's a storage platform with backend storage, but we've built it for the cloud. It's not a VM we just slapped into the public cloud. I really like that idea of having that operational consistency. And um, if I could sort of wrap up my final thoughts in terms of disaster recovery as being required uh, for cloud adoption or the very first step you should always take, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Uh, some of the caveats that I've mentioned uh, over the course of this episode, things like having uh, inconsistent operations, being wary of how your data egresses back from that platform, whether or not that application is going to run smoothly on a different virtualization platform or not. There's Cloud is an available platform for DR, but DR is not just about the platform. It's about all the other things that help you create business continuity. So you have to make sure that you are look, looking with an eye towards all of those additional factors and not just going, ooh, a new shiny platform. I should use that for DR. That might not be the best use of your time. No, I, th I think the way that the enterprise vendors are approaching this is, is spot on, like with pure storage, being able to tackle this with software and make the, that operation seamless across the two environments or multiple environments is the only way this can happen. And, and rolling your own is just not the way. Like you're gonna spend endless engineering dollars internally and get a far suboptimal experience. So I, I think that going to the cloud is actually a, a great way to go here. My final thoughts around this is that I think any customer looking to implement a hybrid strategy should absolutely look at where disaster recovery fits in from a hybrid perspective across your infrastructure. But I think this is a really important caveat is take advantage of what the cloud has to offer with that strategy, right? It's not necessarily just a lift and shift of your DR from that data center to a public data center, if you will. 
uh, you should take advantage of what that cloud has to offer around elasticity of compute, around different services. What can I be doing with that data that I'm sending there all the time that I may not actually be using for production because my production's running on premises or wherever else. And so when you're coming up with these DR strategies, don't just look at, hey, I have a new place to do DR to, but I have a new operating model that I could take advantage of what I'm sending into the cloud through this DR or replication or as the case may be and use that, right? There's a lot of business value that can be taken from that that wasn't necessarily available previously when you're doing data center to data center just because you had limited amounts of compute and how would you deal with that if you did have a DR event when everything else is going on? Yeah, and to get back to the premise as well, um, uh, you know, if, if we're going to say that hybrid environments require cloud DR, I think that's pretty much true because if it's a hybrid environment, that means that you've got stuff in the data center and in the cloud. Um, it, it really doesn't make sense not to do DR in the cloud in that situation. I mean, I would, I would be pretty, uh, I'll be pretty aggressive and religious about this. I do think that if you're a hybrid environment, you really ought to be using cloud DR. And you really ought to be doing it in a way that we described, basically, you know, using the, the best tools available, um, stretching the, the, the practices and processes and, and integrations that you already have running on-prem into the cloud, and, and then using that for um, additional use cases once you're there. Um, that's my opinion. So thank you so much for joining us today for this uh, special episode of the On-Premise IT Podcast. Uh, before we go, um, let's go around the, the, the group here. Uh, where can we connect with you? Where can we continue this conversation? Cody? Uh, there's a variety of places. I mean, certainly if you want to get some more information around CBS and our overall cloud investments at Pure, purestorage.com slash cloud. Pretty easy to remember. To, you'll get to a lot of places from there and a lot of technical information on our support site as well, support.purestorage.com. Um, but collaborate, reach out, right? You can find me on the Twitters or what's left of it. Um, uh, we have a pure storage subreddit and there's a lot of conversation going on there. And of course we have customer forums and, and, and a public Slack uh, channel as well, or a team for, you can, anyone can self-register and join and just bounce questions off the pure storage employees that are there and other customers and partners. Uh, so a lot of places interact. So, um, just purestorage.com slash cloud and go from there. All right. I'm, again, I'm Ned Bellavance. You can find all of my links and things at nedinthecloud.com. I'm the co-host of two podcasts. Uh, one is Chaos Lever. If you enjoy current IT and technology stuff, but with a historical context and perspective, check out Chaos Lever. The other podcast is Day 2 Cloud. And if you're thinking about how to operate in cloud and how to grow your career in the cloud, then that's probably the podcast for you. I'm Calvin Hendricks Parker, and uh, you can find me, I guess, again, what's on left of Twitter, at Calvin HP on Twitter. And then if you're interested in some software development lifecycle best practices, definitely check out sixfeetup.com slash best. Uh, we've got a new program we've been running, and I'm pretty excited about it. And as for me, uh, again, I'm Stephen Foskett. You can find me on the socials at sfoskett, including on uh, Twitter or what's left of it, on Mastodon or what's left of it, on Blue Sky and Threads and I don't know, whatever else. Let's just make up a new word, and I'll be there too. Um, as, and, and as I mentioned, you can also find me at Gestalt IT on our various podcasts, as well as our weekly news rundown. If you enjoyed this discussion, please do give us a subs subscription. You'll find the On-Premise IT podcast in all of your favorite podcast locations. And uh, please, please do leave us a review. We would love to hear from you there. You'll also find us on YouTube at uh, Gestalt IT Video is, is the name of the channel there. 
And of course, uh, this episode was uh, brought to you by Pure Storage, as well as gestaltit.com, your home for IT coverage from across the enterprise. For show notes and more episodes, go to gestaltit.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. <laughs>